0: the truth should we or should we not follow the advice of the galactically stupid maybe maybe not maybe fuck yourself you're all a bunch of fucking assholes you know why you don't have the guts to be what you want to be you need people like me you need people like me so you can point your fucking fingers and say that's the bad guy clearly don't know who you're talking to so let me clue you in I am not in danger, Skyler, I am the danger. A guy opens his door and gets shot and you think that of me? No, I am the one who knocks. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Righteous Brick Podcast. I am your host, J.L. Covan. It is 1116 a.m. Eastern on July 11th in the year of our Lord, 2022. I don't think I have work right now, but I'm taking a risk, guys. I'm taking a risk because I'm doing that thing where it's like, usually I'm sort of like, all right, I'll email them for work. But now I'm like, well, I don't have anything right now. And how long can I lay low until they go? Are you doing anything? Do you want to get fired? No, no, uh... Uh, I was in a coma. Sick days? Do we have coma sick days? Anyway, uh, so I figured I'd get this out of the way. We got Making Podcasts Great Again tonight at 8. So hopefully in the meantime, I'll be able to uh, just continue reading and working out and not working today. But I have a feeling there's going to be work for me soon. But uh, anywho, you guys don't listen to this to listen, to, to hear about the, the boring tedium of uh, a mediocre lawyer you hear about the enraged passions of a mediocre comedian. Business-wise, not talent-wise. Talent-wise, you're listening to a legend. Business-wise, you're listening to a borderline homeless person. Um, Anywho, not a lot on the comedy front. Obviously, this week or next week is when I expect to hear an answer on part one of the 38-part saga of Half Blackface, which is, does the person who was willing to market the first version is that person satisfied enough with the product of the second version to then pitch it to platforms to try and get it sold? So, you know, this is, we're in the, if, 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 if half blackface were we're a fetus, we are actually still in the range of when a Texas woman could abort it, but we are soon to get out of that uh, level. Um, so if, if the person says, yep, I want, to pa- I want to edit this together and cut a deal uh, to to sell it. I will then go, okay, because this is it. This is the fifth Hail Mary of my career. And I thought after the first three were answered that, like, you know, hey, maybe uh, maybe this will happen. But then the October surprise, that's what they call it in elections. The October surprise is when... You know, uh, Hillary's emails, like Anthony Weiner's computer having Hillary email stuff on it. That was the October surprise in 2016. The October surprise for me was, uh, oh, the cameras were shaking. But I didn't find out the October surprise until February. So in JL world, it was the February surprise. Um <laughs> so that's really all i have to report which is good you know unfortunately as i you know boston i'm in boston friday um i think ticket sales have finally picked up now that i canceled one of the two shows so hopefully that ends up being at least a little full full room for one show but um you know with no real comedy gigs i'm supposed to be in morristown at the mayo performing arts center um on august 19th which is a friday so hopefully some jersey jersey fans show up to that uh if they don't it's okay it's you know I think I get a fixed, fixed check regardless, but I will confirm that gig this week and then throw it up on the calendar with a ticket link on my website. But, uh, after Boston, there's really nothing. There isn't really like, why did I qualify that? There's nothing on my calendar. I have a little spot in New York, a couple spots in New York, uh, small, you know, which I'll put up on the calendar, but you know, I don't expect people to show up to see me do like 12 minutes, but, but maybe they will. But, uh, I don't know. I guess I don't sound as miserable because it's sort of, uh, you know, uh, maybe I'm at the acceptance phase of like, okay, I've vented enough to the righteous perk community. What else is there? You know, just... Keep trying to make some decent stuff. We've had a few new Patreon people, so so thank you everybody who joined the Patreon. Much 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 appreciated. Um, if you haven't yet, uh, book review goes up this. The book review uh, jails book club goes up in uh, probably tomorrow. Well, I'm recording this Monday, so uh, you will hear this episode tomorrow if you listen right away. And also if you're a Patreon person or a Patreon uh, interested person. Um, new content going up, the uh, tomorrow as well, Tuesday. Uh, that'll be the book. Very funny. I reviewed two books in this month's edition and, um, later in the month, uh, there'll be the live chat as always. But then, um, I just got a custom made Mitch McConnell apron. It's a bunch of turtles and it says chef Mitch on it from Etsy. What a site Etsy is. You just get somebody to make you something custom for like 30 bucks that you're like, really? Okay, great. That seems cheap, but thank you. Everybody is a uh Chinese elementary school factory worker I guess on Etsy so it was a uh, very affordable and nice funny touch for me to do Mitch McCon- uh, cooking with Mitch McConnell that'll be sort of the the new exclusive series uh springing off of uh Mike Pence gaming which has been a moderate hit uh, so Mitch McConnell's cooking show will be the next thing and I don't know what I'm doing with it yet I just think it would be funny and to showcase one of the impressions that people really really uh enjoy um, probably everything will be some sort of kale, lettuce, spinach based, just so you can have Mitch McConnell eating things like a turtle. Um, but yeah, so check out the Patreon if you haven't yet. Thank you to everybody who has, but it's patreon.com slash JLC, The link will be in the bio. So let's, we got Boston Friday. We got the Patreon, uh, slowly but surely picking up, uh, subscribers. So, th- so that's always a nice little pick me up. Uh, to see that, to feel validated for doing it in the first place. And um, what else is there before I just get to the meat of it? And then half blackface. I guess no news in In a weird way. No news is maybe not good news, but no news is not miserable, depressing monologues by JL News. How about that? Um, But, you know, I'm writing a lot of new stuff so the creative process is 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 not dying which is sad i was kind of hoping i'd be drained of all creative juice by now just because my big thing is always leaving jokes on the table you know like feeling like well half blackface is done for better or worse all my content is out there you know fans or future generations can discover it by accident and say hey this guy was pretty good what happened to him oh uh he died destitute and miserable and alone. Hmm. Well, I like his stuff. Uh, where does the, uh, where's, where's, where the, like proceeds of royalties go now that he's gone? Oh, they go to, um, um, Cookie, his dog. So she's eating a higher quality, uh, dog food, but yeah, he's not here anymore, but I'm sure he would have appreciated you, but only if you went to shows or bought stuff. Not he would not have liked you if you said you were a big fan and never did anything to indicate that you were a fan. He would have actually hated you. So, but but you're saying you bought his album. So he, you know, so I can I can say with um, with near certainty that he would have appreciated you so so yes uh cookie uh, will be eating a higher grade of dog food thanks to you so so um i think i'm safe to say he would appreciate it anywho uh, there's your morbid section of the podcast but uh, half blackface i hope um i hope this month I, I have a positive answer but like i said that's only step one step one is get powerfully linked person in the comedy industry to agree to edit and promote and pitch to platforms that's step one and it's a hard step because unfortunately the first product was the one he was going to do and i just hope the second one is as intriguing and funny and good even if it's different in his eyes but then becomes the harder step which is still near impossible which is like can we sell this independently edited and produced thing to a to platforms that are basically doing almost all their work in-house now The lottery ticket that I'm, the home run Hail Mary lottery ticket that I'm going for is basically the idea that half blackface is so perfect for this moment, threading the needle of cancel culture versus progressive values versus a race and identity, um, plus incredibly funny stuff, not a heart, this is not like the powerful heartfelt monologue that will change no it's powerful, thoughtful, hilarious comedy. So, as you know, I still believe in it even if I don't believe in the business. So we'll see. So hopefully in the next week or two I have at least some good news to report to you. That would be cool. And then um my goal, as psychotic as this may sound, or masochistic, as I compile new material, the only problem I have right now is I have nowhere to run the new material. But I am very tempted, both out of spite and uh, to cleanse the palate, that if I put together another 45 minutes within this year that I think I'm confident in, I may just pump out a self-produced, just to show you how it's done, a self-produced album called Person of Height. Um, and we'll see. Boston will be the first test. Boston, I'll be doing like an hour, hour and five uh, of special material and that, that, that Boston people haven't heard yet. Um, so I'm, I'm spoiling a little bit of the special, but not anything they've heard live. Um, and the new stuff I've been writing. So I, I hope it's not a rough, it's not gonna be rough. It's funny stuff, but it, I'm you know, it's not gonna be ready for prime time in terms of polish, but I, I, I have to hear a lot of this new stuff now in front of a good crowd. Um, and then I can, you know, I think it would just be funny to be like, even if all my dreams come true with half blackface to then just be like. Oh, and a month after that was released on Showtime, he just self-produced a brand new 50 Minutes, which is actually really strong stuff. Because I just, you know, it's, it's, in my quest for comedy, if not immortality, at least relevance, I hate the idea of having a chunk of material, not like five minutes or 10 minutes, but having like, I got 50 minutes sitting there ready to go. And if I quit, that material will be heard by no one, you know, at least I know material will be heard by 133 people if I release it now. But if I don't release it, it gets heard by no one. So that's, that's my dilemma. If, if, like I said, um, producing art, no matter how uh, lowbrow or mundane it is, is, you know, like I said, somewhere between immortality and relevance. Um, And so that's why, you know, as I keep writing stuff, I I wish I could shut that off. But as I write things that I think are really funny, uh, that I know are really funny, I think I've been doing this long enough to be like, that's, that's the good thing is that my rate of trial and success is like 85%. So if I write something down at this point with all my experience and my innate skills, um, I can bet on it usually being good not because i'm i'm some you know this this is not something i did this is not this was not a true statement when i was two years in but 19 years in it's sort of like yeah i've I've done all these shows and all this material and all this varied content that i i have a pretty good track record now of just knowing if i write it down and think it's funny it's almost certainly funny not certainly but almost certainly because there's still things that i try that that don't work so so be it so there's your comedy update and I think I sound relatively upbeat because there's a little there's sort of a numbness now I think a sort of numbness that's just like man it is what it is it took me a long time to get here again but I hope for the best expect the worst and it usually lands up somewhere in between shaded towards the worst <laughs> But also I think my frustrations have been vented recently on I've been playing um Uh, Batman Arkham Knight, which is a seven-year-old game. It was the first game I... It was the reason I got PlayStation 4. And it's a very frustrating game. And it's at times very fun, at times very impressive, but at times and half the time super frustrating and just tedious. But I thought I was at the end. I thought I had to get one more boss before I could, like, activate the end of the game. But they want you to complete, like, at least... 10 missions and i had only done like i've only done six missions other than the main one but now i gotta do four more and they are tedious they range from tedious to annoying to near impossible given my hand-eye gaming skills there's a particular mission with the riddler that I've gotten nine of 10 missions done and I only have to get 10 to capture the Riddler and save Catwoman. And I know I hear, I can actually hear vaginas of my list of my female listeners drying up at a frightening rate. But, um, I tried for an hour last week to pass a 90 second mission and I just was not good enough at driving the car. Grand Theft Arkham Grand Theft Batman. I wasn't good enough. I almost got there a couple times, but then I'm relying too much on luck. I'm not a skilled enough video game car driver. Righteous Girlfriend often just will see me playing a game involving a car and just be like, My God, I don't know anything about games, but I know you suck. Um and I agree. I agree. So I thought I was gonna finish it this morning. So I captured the penguin. And it was like, boom, let's hit this. And then it was like, I thought it meant I needed to capture five villains. So I was like, well, I've captured four already. Here's the fifth. But it meant I have to capture five more. So now I'm down to four more missions to finish. And I'm like, I hate this fucking game. Um, but, you know, now I have to complete it. I have to finish it and complete it. And then take it outside and roll over it with a steamroller. Like, like those pastors who would destroy... Uh, who would pass... Uh, who would destroy... Um, rap records in the early 90s. Oh, hey, Cookie, thanks. Your timing is impeccable, you silly golden bitch. Um, but I... Uh, sometimes she doesn't like it when I close the door. Hey, Cooks Bear, you want to come in here? Say hi to the podcast? Clickety-clack? Don't talk back? Um, so, that's where I am in the gaming world. Um but i hadn't played games in years and thought uh i want to get back to these games i have all these good games that i really wanted to play and then just between saving the nation with comedy and having two jobs and wanting to read a lot and get back into fitness something you know four hours of games a day just fell by the wayside it's amazing that between sleep and and streaming, and work, and other work, and trying to not die of diabetes. It, it, games, just you don't have the time for them. But I've made time. Um, because priorities are priorities, people. And Cookie is lying right by my feet like a good girl. Um, Anyhow, uh, that's fun. And let's do some uh, motherfucking reviews of stuff, right? That's what you're, I don't know why you're here, to be honest. Um, but... But another plug, got to say it, if you're not listening to Making Podcasts Great Again, you got to listen to that. And if you're not listening, uh, if you're not a Patreon subscriber, give it a chance this month. I think you'll be satisfied because I, 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 if you know one thing, I'm a, a proud man, you know, pr- proud like the way they call native american chiefs proud in books before you turn the page and it was like and then the tribe was slaughtered and the chief was castrated by an angry white settler and burned alive while his genitals where his genitals used to be bled out he was a proud man like i feel like that's me in comedy he's a proud comedian he did things the right way right before his soul was uh, molested by the industry anyhow um, two things I've watched recently. Well, first of all, let's talk about Gamora. Okay, I am uh, closing in on finishing out season three of Gomorrah, the Italian drama, the critically acclaimed popular Italian drama that uh, is now an HBO Max property. I'm enjoying it. Obviously I've been crushing, you know, now because I have work again and the righteous girlfriend is back from family vacation, So she wants to watch her shows and sometimes use the TV and it's like, God damn it. But, um, so now that just means when I wake up, you know, insomnia is fully back. Like I am, ha- I am sleeping horribly, but you get up at five thirty, you pour a cup of coffee and you say, well, I'm going to watch an episode of Gomorrah. well, you know, I watch, like the U.S. military says, I watch more content before, before most people, you know, I, I watch more content before 9 a.m. than most people do all day. Uh, but is really good. But I got some questions for uh, uh, Italians. They're very machismo people. Um, but it's very different from, like, Latin machismo. Latin machismo is like, don't touch me, I'm not... Uh, moricon or whatever cabron by the way i don't know can can non-latin people say cabron because when i'm reading um like subtitles on things like narcos cabron seems to be the spanish n-word because of its versatility it can mean my homie it can mean this uh homosexual this bitch ass this punk this asshole. Or my boy, my man, how are you, buddy? So it feels like "cabron" is the is the Latin N word, except Latinos love to use the N word as well. So I don't know what you like is like. I assume they don't have exclusivity. Like I assume me saying "cabron" is not violating any sort of ethnic dividing line, since so many latin people are so liberal with the n-word i don't think they have any standing to go you can't say cabron that's our word essay can i say essay <laughs> i'm mixing and matching different groups of latin people i think uh maybe i'm not who knows who knows i don't think they get to be as sensitive because they use the n-word okay there has to be some kind of trade-off for that um um uh, but uh I'm enjoying Gamora but 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 Latin guys seem to uh, I mean Italian guys in this show and Italians seem to have the same sort of machismo of Latin guys but it's much more incongruent because there's lots of man kissing you kiss your mom on the lips you touch everybody's face like covid in Italy no wonder it's spread if I, if Gamora is accurate to Italian culture no wonder COVID spread so rapidly in 2020 in Italy. It's like, everybody kisses everybody on the cheek, you kiss your mom on the mouth, you you grab every person by the face, you close. Now there's close talking in shows, because you have to block for the cameras, you have to have a certain angle. So So a lot of acting takes place very close face to face. But even by that standard, there is a lot of practically nose to nose conversations going on. And I think maybe that's cultural, not just not just done for tv blocking but for yes in italy we talk close we breathe on each other uh we it's kind of like a steve van sant bruce springsteen the way they sing close so close to the mic you're like are they gonna make out during this rendition of girls in their summer clothes and um that's sort of how these guys talk in the show just let me grab your face. Mom, I kiss you on the lips. Uh, my friend, I kiss you on both cheeks. My enemy, I kiss you on both cheeks and then touch your face to let you know I might kill you or that I don't respect you or that you're a kid. And by the end of like an episode, everybody's got COVID um, and and possibly like some sexually transmitted disease because of just how close everybody always is. But, uh, you know, I'm enjoying it. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm enjoying the show. Um, it's it's it it really I, it really makes every other show seem unrealistic because just about nobody survives for long at all which makes sense when you're dealing in a fucking vicious crime-ridden poverty sort but it's like you know by the wire stand like the wire it would be like oh my god at the end of episode 10 one of the main characters dies it's like gamora's like at the end of episode 10 all but two characters were already dead. And it's intense. It's good, though. It's good good TV, so I recommend it. Um, and another thing, and I'm doing a Thor rewatch, by the way. I watched Thor 1, Avengers 1, and last night Thor 2. So I'm doing all this so that I can honestly appraise Thor 4 and destroy it, hopefully. I hope to be able to destroy it and people's dreams and love of Marvel on... and. and But I will say Avengers 1 was really good. I think I underrated it a little bit, even though I didn't enjoy it. I think what happens is people, you know... They always come for the king. When a new comic book movie comes out, they come for the Dark Knight, which is just, it shows you the true goat status of the Dark Knight because nobody ever says, I think this was even better than Black Panther. I think this was even better than Captain America 2 Winter Soldier. I'm naming other critically acclaimed uh, comic. I think this was even better than Guardians of... No, every time there's a really good one or one that people think is good, they go, better than the Dark Knight, which just tells you that it's the standard, which, which is sort of proof positive of its goat status is the batman better than that was my favorite when people were like is the batman better than the dark knight and it's and you know i was like is a piece of cheesecake from the cheesecake factory well let me make it correct is a piece of is is a pool of diarrhea better than a piece of cheesecake from the cheesecake factory that's how absurd comparing the batman and the dark knight is it's just absurd um, but every time somebody likes something, they have to go to The Dark Knight, which is just an acknowledgement. Whether you agree or not, it's the standard, which to me is good enough to consider it the GOAT. And also the fact that I saw it eight times, in, well, ten times in the theater if you count like 10th anniversary shit. And uh, in the first run of The Dark Knight, I saw it eight times. I was single, had broken up with a fiancé that summer. So I took four different ladies to second dates to The Dark Knight. In case you haven't heard that story before. It's an oldie but goodie by JL. Um, Oh, do you want to see a movie? Well, I hear The Dark Knight's pretty good. Oh, let's go see that. Hell yeah. Wow, um, JL, it's only our second date. Why is your penis out in the theater? Because I really like The Dark Knight. Don't play yourself, girl. This is a second date. I don't even know if I like you yet. I've seen The Dark Knight more than I've seen you. So let me just have this, okay? God, don't kink shame I thought you were progressive. Jeez. Anyway, that was my 2008 summer. Me and Obama were just crushing it. Just thin, charismatic, biracial men having the summer of our lives. And it all went south from there. (laughs) Um, So Gamora, very good. Recommend it. Um, I'm not... I'm not dedicated enough or attention to detail enough to do like a recap show because I almost thought about making that part of the Patreon but I'm like, I don't remember most characters' names anymore. You know, it took me like three seasons of Game of Thrones, a show I love before I was like, you know, the little guy. Uh, You know, the handsome blonde guy. You know, the giant. Like, it was... It took me many seasons just to just be like, oh, now I can speak of their names. Like, I'm not trying to be dismissive. I love the show. But you just start to go, like, that, that guy. Or I just name people by their a- – act. like, I name the actor before I name the character. Um, but Gamora is, uh, is good stuff. So I, I recommend it if you haven't gotten on it. But my other recommendation, which many of you might already be on, but um, over this weekend we watched season two of Hacks on HBO Max boy do i love that show i liked season one i thought season one was like gene smart was great i thought it was a very sort of competent enjoyable show and i really think they made season two much better and i don't mean that as like there was so much room to improve it's just funnier and i know there was an article in the new york newark york star ledger about what's his name i'm freak see i'm not good with names his last name is downs but he's the one of the co-creators. He created the show with his wife and, a, and, and a, a comedy writer, and he plays the agent of Gene Smart's character, Deborah Vance. The one name I remember on the show, and he has a bigger role this season. And some, you know, I think it t- it, it takes a level of confidence to sort of be like, I'm doing. What's best for the show, even if it also is what's best for me as an actor. But he's directed several episodes. He's one of the co creators and writers, and he's also a big co star. And there's a lot, there's much more of him on this season, but it works. And I think that's cool because some people might be insecure of like, you know, I, I think it would work, but people will think I'm trying to like pimp myself out or make the show about me. But the fact is, if you're good, if you really bring something to the table, then have confidence in that, that you will make the show better, that you don't have to worry about people thinking you're doing something because the proof will be in how funny the show is when you're in it. Um, but I really thought season two was was great. There was so much good comedy stuff. Um, now, the irony is, you know, I, f- I, I felt like I related to several things that Deborah Vance was going through, but on my level, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, It feels like it would be easier to deal with being underappreciated or losing your momentum if you were already worth like, you know, $40 million and had a successful career. But I think something in the comedy mindset is like you always want to be relevant. You always want to be developing things. Um, Or selling, you know, in the case of many comics, just playing the algorithm being a total fucking hack sellout, but whatever it takes to stay relevant. But artistically, it shows her pivoting to like a new style and really working out the material and how even if somebody of that star level, it's not easy to do that. And it was it. You know, I don't know if any of the writers or stand-up comics. I think Paul Downs—that's his name. I and I'm only mentioning him. I'm not trying to erase the two women who also co-created the show. Okay, I see you, I hear you. I'm turning into Cory Booker. I see you, women writers whose names I don't know. Um, I think one is Jen Statsky, who, which is like a name I've seen before, which is I remember, but I don't remember Paul Downs' wife. Um, but but her name but the articles were about him because he's from jersey and uh he did start as a stand-up comic but like not so much his background didn't seem to be so much steeped in stand-up comedy that he could know so much and be so on point with some of the struggles of stand-up comedy but it's it's very maybe maybe one of the other writers is is uh somebody more steeped in it but it's you know It's very good and relatable as a comedian, even though, of course, the level of success and fame is totally different. Um, But I just I just thought season two was all due respect to like other good comedies that people like Abbott Elementary, Ted Lasso. But if I had a vote right now, I think I'd have to vote season two Hacks as like the, the, the comedy of the year. I may be forgetting something, but I think. Atlanta was really good. Season three of Atlanta was really good. I really enjoyed, like, I thought that was, so So for me it would be like Atlanta or Hacks and maybe tiebreaker to Hacks just because it's, it hits me harder. But there was some, I don't know, I don't know, maybe it's recency bias, but I, I would say in a year of some very strong comedies, I would say it would have to be between Hacks and Atlanta for me, all due respect to the other shows that are good and people like. But... Um, Oh, and the other thing. Okay, bonus review. I almost forgot because I'm going to review it um, for the for the Trump Podcast Patreon as well, but you get my personal take on this movie. Uh, Elvis. Boz Lerman's Elvis. Um, it's not going to be for everybody because the director has a very distinct, frenetic, colorful style. Like, like I remember the movie Any Given Sunday, uh, Oliver Stone's sort of nfl proxy movie um i remember reading something that was like it was like the most edit it had like so many cuts like everything was just like cut 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 like to give you that hectic on field feeling and intensity throughout the movie but the boz lerman movie i it's got to be exhausting to edit his movies and to be in his movies because I, i guarantee they're just like i need you to walk on this stage 10 different times so we can get 10 different angles so that we can cut it but it's, it's a biopic, it's like a very stylized biopic of Elvis, and I thought it was, I'm not saying it was as good as Top Gun Maverick, but th- those are the two movies I've seen in the theater in the last several months. I saw everything everywhere all at once in a smaller theater, and that was, that was a good movie. Um, I don't know if I'm on board with everybody who thinks it's like the greatest movie, and part of it is because there's too much multiverse shit, I think Marvel's get out of jail card for like oh we'll just do the multiverse and then we can bring back everybody and like kill all our storylines to death and all our characters like into the ground until only the truly brain dead are not bored of what we're doing but elvis gave me almost the same kind of feeling as top gun maverick like man i'm glad i'm seeing this in the theater this is like a this is a movie you may not like it but this is an ambitious movie Big screen, ambitious movie in in its own way. Like as as much as a biopic can be like big and ambitious and flashy, you know. Top Gun is easier movie to make it that way because it's a big stunt and not special effects, but but you know, high speed jets and shit like that. I don't know if you call that special effects, but because it's not, it's like not green screen. It's like people really flying fucking jets. But in its own way, I thought Elvis. And I know some of it will turn people off, but I I realize Baz Lerman. I haven't seen, oh, what was his first movie? Strictly Ballroom, I think I was told, which I just remember hearing about. It. it was like a, I think it might have been a Miramax movie, but it was like a indie, like a big hit indie movie, I think. That, I believe, was his first movie. Then he did Romeo and Juliet, which Righteous Girlfriend loves, the Leonardo DiCaprio, Claire Danes. Um, I never saw it, but I know a lot of people who really liked it. Um, And then he did Moulin Rouge, which is like a movie I've seen. And then I saw the musical on Broadway, and I definitely like the movie better. But uh, that's where I had to sort of, the same way I, I talk about certain directors having a style, where like Wes Anderson, I respect that he has a style. I like that. I like that fact that he has crafted artistically a signature. A lot of people like his movies. I generally don't they're too quirky they're too they feel like too self congratulatory for their indie quirkiness but at the same time I respect that he is an artist a real artist I just don't like his art but I respect that that he is not some carbon he is a unique he has created a unique thing that a lot of people like and that you can tell it's a Wes Anderson product. Tim Burton is like that too. I like more Tim Burton movies than I do uh, Wes Anderson movies, but Tim Burton's another director like that. Like Christopher Nolan has, you know, I, I David Fincher. Maybe the best combo of like somebody who makes, kind of has a signature style and makes really great movies for the most part. But, um, but like Moulin Rouge is one of those ones where I kind of liked some of it. It ends very dreary. But it, it was this I understood why it was nominated for best picture it was like probably the type of movie that it had no chance of winning best picture but probably 20 percent or 15 percent of Oscar voters were like that was my favorite movie of the year because it was just a like a big adventurous ambitious feast Um, and then he made Great Gatsby which didn't get great reviews and I actually liked it I liked his DiCaprio Gatsby remake because I hated the fucking book, The Great Gatsby. I think I read it twice in high school for different classes. Hated the book. Saw the Robert Redford movie. Hated the fucking rock, the movie. Even more than the book. And then I saw the... And I thought, yeah, I think this was like a needed update. I think it conveyed the sort of... It gave a, an upbeat flair to like... The Gilded Age, and I just thought it was like I, I ended up enjoying that much more. Um and Elvis is probably my favorite movie that he's done now. But I know that it won't be for everybody because of his style choices and the chaotic editing. But the star of it, I think his, his name is Austin Butler, really strong performance. Tom Hanks, I don't know what Colonel Tom Parker, he seemed like kind of a fat, gay penguin like from the Batman, to bring it all back to to Batman content. He seemed like a fat gay penguin. And I guess he was from the Netherlands or something, so he had a weird accent. I I absolutely respect Tom Hanks for going all in, like committing to this weird fat suit accent character, because you don't see Tom Hanks do that a lot, so it's nice to see a star who could just be tom hanks for 10 million dollars a movie for the rest of his life but he decided to be kind of a weird creepy eccentric character villain um it's weird but uh, to quote hansel uh, i don't listen to sting i respect sting sting's a real hero of mine i don't listen to any of his music but I, but he's making it and i respect that that's kind of how i feel about tom hanks's choice as colonel tom parker elvis's like corrupt manager but uh i'm a fan of i like elvis's music um and there was a great documentary a few years ago on hbo which is available on hbo max i think it's called i think it's called the searcher um but yeah i I really liked what i really liked the choices boz lerman made um in making the movie and yeah, that and Top Gun, I feel like so far are great choices for like getting me back in the movie theater. Um, not just cause they're not Marvel movies, but you know, just, they were, they felt like big screen movies and that the directors and actors put a lot of effort and care and, and creativity into it. So yeah, I, I definitely recommend Elvis, but with the caveat that I tried to give you the rundown of as much Boz Lerman as I know, but with the caveat you may not like what he's doing, but you you may love I think it's he's that kind of filmmaker where it's like, this movie's good enough that I think even people turned off by the style will be like, it was pretty good, it wasn't my favorite, it wasn't great, but that people who dig the style will think it's a fucking masterpiece. Um but yeah, that's it. That's it, guys. I think we've we've made it through an episode fairly positive. Um so not afraid of cutting an episode short to avoid depression um but yeah i hope to see you guys any of my boston people i hope to see you uh in boston on friday early show so i guess we can all hang out at the bar or whatever no need to run home right away um saturday i'm in boston hopefully hanging out with friends and then coming home Sunday, and then I'll write you a road recap for the blog. But then, who, who God God knows what's going to happen to my comedy career after this. It's uh, maybe I've just it's here now, the potential finale, kind of. Um, but who knows? You know, half blackface. Like I said to the righteous girlfriend when we were walking a couple days ago, I said, "Half blackface." It's as remote as the possibilities are. I believe in myself. I believe in the material. And it hasn't been rejected yet. I haven't put it out yet. I haven't hired a publicist yet. So there's there's always that mathematical, whether it's a one in a thousand or one in a billion, there there's still a chance. So as I always say on this podcast, I'm still in it, so I'm in it. I'm not halfway in it. But when I'm out, I gotta be out. But I'm not out. I'm in. So we'll see what the fuck happens with that. But I hope you had... Uh, Good weekend. I hope you uh you all are, are good. I appreciate you listening. Um please check out the Patreon if you haven't. It's uh you know, it's a good time to to try it out. You know, every month goes by, there's more content piling up, so you'll have more to sample if you if you decide to join this month. You can get, you know, three months worth of stuff and then maybe you say, hey, you know what? This is fun. I like JL's comedy, and if he's gonna keep pumping out some funny exclusive stuff, I'll I'll stick around for four or seven bucks. So that's it, guys. Enough plugs, enough nonsense. Let me go see if I have work. Um, Hopefully not. I hate that Batman video game, and uh, I appreciate all of you. So thanks for listening. Have a great week. Hope to see some of you in Boston. And for those of you that don't, I will see you next Tuesday.